Coffee Carmen Connection is about being human. It's about you choosing to prioritize your well-being, putting the time in to strengthen your resilience to adversity, and being part of a community that holds you accountable and offers support when the going gets tough. Our podcasts bring expert insight and real-life experiences together for you to enjoy and learn what it is that makes us human and how to work with it. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coffee, Calm and Connection. Today, we are going to do something a bit different, which I'm slightly apprehensive, slightly nervous about, uh, but also very excited. Um, Some of you will have heard Stuart uh, and my previous podcast. Stuart is uh, an anxiety specialist and one of the co-founders of Coffee, Calm and Connection. And today, Stuart is going to interview me. So, Stuart, over to you. Okay, I do like this change of role, Sarah. Um, <laughs> it's been about six months, hasn't it, this journey? And you've been looking at your own work-life balance, well-being, happiness, mental health, whatever we, we're going to call it. And what I was interested in is, is what are your takeaways from it? What have you started to learn that's made sense? But equally, what still doesn't make sense and what feels a bit potty well uh been a bit of a backwards month let's start there uh it's been a really backwards month for me um uh it's been probably one of the worst months mentally that i've had in quite a long time uh which uh is interesting in itself i've got quite an analytical brain so there's part of me wallowing in oh my god i can't cope with life and there's another part of me going why what's different what are the patterns how am i going to change this uh but actually i'd say about three weeks ago i was in a position of i can't even i can't even understand why i just want to stay in bed and hide from the world and and that's been really hard but uh i don't think it's the world that i want to hide from i think it's my own head that I want to hide from, which is extraordinarily difficult, uh, as I've learned. So, um, so I spent quite a bit of time, and we've had some really good conversations, which have been really beneficial. Um, and I've spoken to lots of family and lots of friends to try and identify why. Why do I keep ending up on my bum? What is it about my personality, about my perception, about my choices that that keeps putting me back down here and how do I how do I change those properly and for good so before I shove my two penneth in what do you feel what what are you starting to think what are you seeing any patterns um, I am seeing patterns uh, and it's also interesting that I'm seeing patterns in my the same patterns in my children um, which you know is a, is a whole other stick with which to beat myself with. Um, but the patterns, I think, if I was to try and categorize it, is extremity. I'm just extreme. Um, but I don't think it's just me. I think the world is extreme. Uh, and, and I think we've lost balance. So, so my, my extreme uh, behavior, uh, this has been an intense year. It's been an intense two years, not just for me, for the world. Um, uh, business is, is, is thriving, but also comes with a lot of pressure. And what I do when those pressures come is I add more and I look for an external 
route to fix it. So the latest thing that I have signed up for is an ultramarathon, which is, is really extreme. And I was trying to unpick why I wanted to do that. And I started off by thinking it was, I'll be 40 in two years time, and I really want to get my mental health under control. And I'm so convinced that mental and physical are linked. Therefore, I need a plan to put a nutritional element in, a mental health element in, and a physical health element in. And you can't do an ultramarathon without getting those three things right. So perhaps if I have one point to point all of these things at, then I'll, 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 I'll fix me, right? And that was my stated conscious purpose of doing it. And it's taken the last month to realize that that's actually bullshit. What I'm looking for is an escapism, a distraction. And that's what I do. When things get tough, I add more in to distract and escape from. And, uh, and there's only so many balls you can juggle at any one time and then you drop them all. And that's sort of the cycle I get, go through. And I think sometimes it's about looking for something you can control. It's quite mm -hmm. hard to accept that most of what's going on, you, you mentioned the last two years in particular, has felt out of control for most of us. We've all had to make huge adaptions and changes. But the reality is that we're pretty powerless to change any of that. And by accepting that, that's quite a brave step to say, my destiny is in the hands of governments, but not only governments, but in, in the hands of a biological entity that none of us really fully understand. So then it, I think it, I can understand maybe a desire to think, well, actually my unhappiness is actually down to something I need to control. The ultimate thing I can control, of course, is my fitness. Because all I've got to do is just run that extra mile, and for every mile I run, I'm going to be um, a quantifiable amount happier. That's it. Two miles today, I'll be two miles happier. Three miles, I'll be three miles happier. Um, has that changed? Has your position on that started to change over the last month then? Um, it, it has. It really has. Although, I feel a bit caught now because I, I, I kind of want to do the ultramarathon, but I think I want to do it for the wrong reasons. So, should I be doing the ultramarathon? So, I get caught in a loop and the loop is um, is not helpful and it doesn't direct anywhere it just it's just a loop that i get caught in i have to keep putting the loop down and going nope not thinking about that now um so yes it has changed i have made a i'm two-thirds of the way to accepting i'm not running it next year uh i say two-thirds and this is probably the first time i've ad admitted this out loud i've told everybody i'm not running it till 2023 i haven't actually changed the race booking or cancelled any of my accommodation and that's because there's some of me thinking i could just secretly get fit enough and do it ludicrous stop it sarah stop it so so i'm still in that loop i have by no means taken the leap from understanding the weird thought process and being able to change it and, and that leap i don't understand why it's so difficult once you understand it just do it but i can't i for me it's something that sometimes i call and, and I see this with the children I work with and the grown-ups, it's something that we, we sometimes call the worry trap, where our brain is worried about so many different different things. And I can remember you and I having a conversation a little while ago about this riding an elephant concept, that when things are out of control, the Romans and the Greeks used to call it riding an elephant, 
that we we imagine that we're on the elephant's back and we can control it, but actually it's doing what the heck it likes and we can't really stop it. But the worry trap extends that theory a little bit and it says that the things we can't control, we then look for the easy things to worry about rather than digging down and going a bit deeper. So the worries that we have that are more personal, more actually going to have a bigger effect on our life, are a bit too scary. So we start to worry about something either we have no control over or something that actually in the long term is not going to have as much benefit as we can. Can I challenge that slightly? So the easy thing to worry about, I would change that to say the external thing to worry about because kids are a big thing I worry about and that's by no means easy, um, but it is external. It's, it's, it's external to me. And when when I try to be introvert and look in me, and I do, I really do, I don't know how because I can't reach that subconscious level that is driving a lot of my habits and it is out of my knowledge and I, I don't know how to pull that out of myself. I think it's easy because it becomes familiar. We know how to worry about our children because they bring with them a whole host of unpredictable stuff. Every day they come home with a new unpredictable thing. But that unpredictability is still familiar. We know we know what it is. The other stuff, the stuff that's really hard to identify, is perhaps more painful because it's the things that question who we really are and what we really want. I was I was inter I'm interested and I'm drawing it back to the podcast that I did a couple of weeks ago that I think's already gone live with Laura D. Benedato because during that podcast she challenged me on a couple of things um, and, uh, and she, she asked me a direct question and I didn't answer it, not intentionally, there was obviously a, a, and then she said to me, you haven't answered that question and I'm interested in that. Uh, and, and there was a conversation around control during that podcast. Another thing is I've read um, Mo Gaudat's Solve for Happy and he draws this line with control and what he calls high achievers, and, and actually Laura Di Benedato was talking about high achievers as well. And I don't mean high achievers in the, look at me, I'm amazing, I've got all of these achievements. What I mean is that constant push of boundaries that I am striving for, you know, whether or not I get there is kind of irrelevant to this story. It's, it's, it's the, the continual battle to get to the next step, and that's what I mean by high, high achievers or high attempters, I don't know what you want to call it. But so this, 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 that works, doesn't it? The, the control and, and it's so interlinked. And there's a learned behaviour there, because if we're, we, we're quite a goal-driven, high-achiever person, then it's quite easy or natural to get hooked on that feeling. So to believe that the thing that gives me the big lift in my emotions is reaching a goal. So what we tend to do is, when we're a high-achiever, we tend to seek more and more goals because we know that's the one thing that gives us that lift. But it can it becomes, if we're not careful, slightly superficial because we chase the big goal rather than looking for the reason we're chasing it. It's the chasing the the goal can be quite attractive, but there's something also quite puritanical underneath it 
of saying, well, why haven't you reached that goal yet? And I think it's something that's crept into our culture with the whole life coaching culture of, come on, work a bit harder, do a bit more, you know, I'm successful because I work hard mindset. But what that does to some people is it makes them believe that good things have to be goal-driven. It can't be fun. I must be a terrible person because today all I did was watch TV. Well, that didn't have an outcome to it, where actually sometimes it's about maybe looking at the outcome of doing nothing is a reward in itself. I had an interesting conversation with my husband. So what happened to me in the last month is something that's never happened in my entire life, right? And I yo-yo. I've always yo-yoed. High levels, low, always yo-yoed. But what happened was I burst into tears at lunchtime on a Monday lunchtime. And I went home and got into bed and I didn't get out of bed till Thursday, right? I've never done that before. And it was just trying to avoid me that I was, that I was trying to do. And I was not very well with it. Um, and on the Thursday, no, and on, I didn't get out of bed till the Friday. And on the Friday, I got out of bed and I thought to myself, come on, sort it out, go for a run. Because it doesn't matter if you do seven miles. It doesn't matter if you do 10 miles. It doesn't matter if you do half a mile. Just get out and get some exercise. And that is what I verbalized. But I knew what was in my head was, I've missed all my runs this week and I should have done nine and I've done nothing and I need to do it. Um, and in the end I did six and I was pleased with that. <laughs> but the week before I was obviously starting to go downhill and I was physically feeling bad. I had a headache, I felt a bit sick, I wasn't doing very well. And I was having a mental breakdown over, I need to run today, I must run. And I was in this loop, I've got seven miles to do. It's on my plan, my plan says seven miles, must do seven miles. And I said to my husband, I must do seven miles because my plan says seven miles. And he said, how about you just do three? Obviously seven is causing you issues, just go and do three. That will be fine. So I left with the desire to run three, knowing that at three I would say just four, and at four I would say just five, and at five I was, and I would do my seven. And I came back from my seven, and I pulled my hamstring, and I couldn't walk, and I felt sick, and I had a headache, and I felt awful. And I said to Neil, but well done me, I did the seven. And he said to me, I would have congratulated you if you'd done three. I don't think it's a well done for the seven. And that was an interesting point, and it's exactly to what you're saying. It's this, anything less than seven is a failure. And I, I don't understand that. I don't understand because I do understand, but I can't really feel that difference. I get it. Logically, I get it, but I can't feel it. And therefore, I can't make it happen. I think it's that desire to have, to be focused on outcomes rather than enjoying the journey. And I think that it's something that we've, shifted to as a culture as a culture we're all told to your your school years now can't be just about enjoying being at school enjoying being around your peers and the joy of learning the joy of learning's gone and it's just about well what a level grades is that young person going to get what gccs are they going to get what are they going to do at university but it's in all aspects of our our life we 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 seem to see a less of a drive to have somebody that really enjoys delivering a trade or a skill for the joy of delivering that trade or skill we tend to say to them and how can you use that to grow your empire how can you be bigger so we're always focused on the next thing 
the next outcome. And the problem is that you never get there because there's always somebody, as I always say, there's always somebody taller, smaller, thinner, bigger, funnier, and there's always going to be someone more successful, better, bigger than you. We've seen it, haven't we, with our billionaires who now have run out of dominating the earth, so they're now racing each other to space because we never... When we're goal-driven, we're never totally satisfied. And goals are important. We need a goal. But it's really important that we find a way to help people enjoy right now or else things pass and we end up, you know, looking back on our lives. So on that, that rhetoric, and I get it, the rhetoric I mean by being present, by being mindful, by being grateful. And actually, these are some of the habits that Laura was talking about. So from, from, from Coffee Calm Connection, I've had some phenomenal conversations. I've read some amazing books and they've all kind of, the whole idea came out of me recognizing the yo-yo of Sarah and thinking something's got to change. How do I, how do I change it? So, so, so everything I've done and, and been doing has the same common threads, right? Present, mindful, grateful being three of the biggest ones and there is a way to implement those into your life in a meaningful way and there's a way to follow it because this is what you should be doing and I don't think it's easy to tell which one you're doing because I think you can genuinely think you're doing it meaningfully and it won't, and it isn't, and it doesn't change anything. And I give you a personal example. I found a gratitude journal, an app. It was great. It allowed me to take pictures. Uh, and after about week one, oh, shit, I've forgotten to, to fill in my gratitude. What was it today? And I'm, But so not meaningful, right? It's another to-do list. Versus something that with no intent to being mindful or grateful that I've started doing recently, but has ticked both boxes is my dad told me about an app called Picture This. And you hover over a flower or a tree and it tells you what it is. Mm. Now I am always, uh, I, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't keep a plastic plant alive. I'm not green fingered by any means, but I'm always interested. And I always think, oh, I wonder what that tree is. And I couldn't tell an oak from a birch from a sycamore. I still can't, but I can identify an oak now. Um, I'm always looking at flowers and going, oh, that's a pretty flower. And then it goes, it's done, I'm finished. But I've been quite intrigued with this app and I've learned stuff and it's 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 interesting and oh this has got black mold on it what does that mean oh this is a tree that requires absolutely nothing from me I could have this tree in my garden um, and in doing that I've inadvertently been grateful present and mindful so and but that was there was no intention for those three things there what do you think about that I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think, again, another problem that high achievers have is that when when people like myself work with them, they want a, a recipe book that they can follow that gives them gives them um, a mindful state or uh, um, a task they need to do. But they're often missing the point, which is that you're doing the task to just be in the moment enjoying it, where it becomes just another task on the to-do list. It just becomes another thing and 
if you think about the difference between a child and an adult, there's not really much difference in a 10-year-old's psychology and that of a middle-aged grump like myself. But the real difference is that people of my age have forgotten how to play. They've forgotten how to use their imaginations. They've forgotten how to do things. So when I watch my 10-year-old having fun with her friends, she doesn't, before she engages in that fun, say to them, OK, well, we're going to have some fun now because it would really do us some good to get out of our heads and into our bodies. She does it because the desire's there and the imagination's there. And your app is a perfect example of that because you've done it with no purpose other than you're using a different part of your mind and thinking, do you know what, I really want to know why that's growing in my garden. And that brings everything down because you're doing something with no purpose other than curiosity and playfulness. And that is why it doesn't work when I say to my children, come on, let's uh, play this board game because it'll be good family time and we can spend some blah, blah, blah. They don't give any craps about that. Let's play mm. the board game because I want to beat you, because I want to be yellow, because I like the way the counter... Mm. Or let's go for a walk because it'll be good for you and you need to go and play. You need to start a sport because it'll be good for you and it's healthy and blah. That's why none of that works. That's why you just get backlash all the time. And it's why we see so many people with wasted gym memberships or, you know, people that have signed up to do a sport but never attended because they they signed up for something that isn't real to them. You know, that it doesn't really have any great connection to them. So it doesn't feel playful. It's a should. Anything. It's a should. And I think when someone's a high achiever, They've been programmed to get a little buzz each time they hit a goal. You know, you've, you've been very good, you've achieved that thing. So the seeking part of them carries on seeking those little buzzes rather than realising that there's as much pleasure in just being present. But as we commercialise and commodify lots of things, mindfulness then becomes a thing we have to follow instructions to do. A thing rather we should than, do. Rather than just something we can enjoy doing and enjoy uh, moving along with. Okay, so this is challenging a fundamental um, methodology to my life, right? Um, I find myself on a daily basis, whether I'm talking to clients at, at, at Boston Tullis, whether I'm talking to my children, whether I, whatever I'm doing, if ultimate goal is here what are the steps we have to put in place because nothing comes unless you do now that is true in some circumstances particularly business like if your objective is growth by x how are you going to get there and let's put a strategy to it and, and we've had conversations uh, along those uh, lines for things outside of me that that would need a goal mm. but I, I think i overdo it and i think i do it for everything and it's all driven by should i should run the ultra marathon because it will ultimately help the mental physical nutritional th I, and in order to to do that i need to do pilates once a week i need to do dynamic runner four times a week i need to run four times a week and i should probably do yoga as well and in order to do that i need to make sure i meal plan and i need to meal plan within these boundaries and i should cut down gluten because i don't think it works for me uh, blah 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 it's all should. It's all driven by should. Life is driven by should. And ultimately it's driven by control. Because when you are 
planning your meals, planning your Pilates, making time in the day for that, planning the outcome of every meeting, then what you're hoping is nothing unpredictable comes in. If I do that, then I'm not going to be surprised by something coming in left of, left of centre, where actually, if we look, one of the things I often ask my clients to do when we first start working is look back at your life five years ago and actually think of the worries that you had and the things that you were most scared of happening. They, they either happened and you've dealt with them because you're still here and you're still doing great in life or chances are they probably didn't happen. And the biggest challenges we face are the ones we weren't expecting anyway. And it's been the, the psychology of the pandemic has been very much like that, that lots of people, the people who often found it the most challenging are the people who are least used to surrendering control or needing to surrender control. And that's really difficult, isn't it? Because we're living, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's the fact that there's no fuel in the local garage, we live sometimes in times where there is little control. And... Can I tell you something that I feel and felt one of the kind of epiphanous moments I've had over the last month, which I, I think is exactly this, but I've phrased it in a different way, but I'm interested in why I phrased it that way. So I was talking to a friend and I said, I feel like I have added so many templates to my life. So many. There's like templates upon templates upon templates. Templates for being a mum, for a business owner, for being healthier, for being just templates. And what would happen if I threw all those templates in the bin and I stopped trying to follow any of them? And one of the templates is, I don't know if, I'm, I'm sure I have talked to you about this. I decided that I wanted to be, I wanted to try a year's alcohol free. Um, and, uh, and I started on the 1st of January and I stopped during this mental blip. And the reason I stopped is because I looked back at the reasons why I was doing it. And it was predominantly for mental health and to lose weight. Well, I've put weight on and my mental health was in the bin. So I thought, excuse my French, fuck it. What template, what is this template doing for me? Nothing. The ultra marathon, it's just causing me stress, gone. So I, I looked at all the templates I was living by and thought, I'm throwing you all out the bin. And it wasn't in a well thought out logical way. It was in a, if I can do this, I can get away from me way. Do you know what I mean? But that was, that was just me trying to let go of all of my control because I don't want to deal with it anymore. But often what happens is that you throw out the things that bring you pleasure. And when we're, alcohol on its own is, is a separate issue, but we tend to consume alcohol when we're in an uncontrolled time. We're with friends, we're socialising, we're having a relaxed conversation. When we take that away, there's a danger that you've taken it away and added more control. So you've said, well, actually, here's, here's this thing that I used to do where I was mindful, where I was just in the moment, enjoying my time, but I'm going to replace it with an ultra marathon, which is completely controlled and 
it's the ultimate control, isn't it? it it's, so I'm going to eat these things, I'm going to do these things. So you've added another layer of controlling rather than um, having a level of play or fun or whatever. Yeah. And I think those templates, as you describe them, are all layers of safety and protection. Because if I follow this set of rules, I'll be okay. If I do this thing, I'll be okay. And actually, it's quite brave to step out into the world and say, I don't know what's happening today. I don't know what's mm. going to happen later. And maybe that's where we need to be thinking about how we can free that up. On the, 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 the drinking thing, what I said to, to my friend was, perhaps if I didn't try and control every element, my natural balance would assert itself. I'm not going to wake up and drink a bottle of red wine for breakfast. It does not interest me. But actually, I'm going to a barbecue on Sunday and I might like a beer. Mm. Um, and, and, and not allowing myself is starting to irritate me. And it's um, a layer of structure you've added into your day. So I'm yeah. Sarah and I run seven miles and I, and, I, and I don't have a drink. And I don't. So each thing, whilst it feels like you're doing it for a greater purpose, for me it feels like you're just putting another layer of armour another protection around your ego you know that that personal bit that we don't want to get hurt so i'm safe because i don't drink and i know drinking's bad for me and i run because i know being fit makes me healthy but all of those things protect us from the real us that's trapped inside mm. i worry if maybe what i'm frightened of is the real me coming out because i think she's quite extreme and i don't know what she's going to do the claire like what will she do I think though that is the real you. The real you's still there. It it's the real you that's having those conversations in your head. It's the real you that's existing, and actually, the real you is probably just the you that's happier. Mm. Because it's not going to change what you think of people and what you want to do. It's probably just going to mean that you're a bit kinder to yourself. Which brings back to kindness, presence and mindfulness and being kind to others is much easier than being kind to yourself. But also being kind to yourself manifests its way in should, I should be kind to myself, therefore I should try and understand what I'm subconsciously saying and then I should try and reframe it to change it to be something else. So I need a process to make sure I do that. So how, And you're caught in the same bloody loop. How do you just... And, and the way I have tried to do it is by throwing all my templates out and not judging against them. In, um, in Johan Harry's book, Lost Connections, he talks about how um, envy is a big thing that leads us to feeling unhappy. But one of the things he also talks about is how there's, there's lots of evidence that if we practice with kindness to other people, if we try and um, understand other people's actions, actually what we do is start being a bit kinder to ourselves. So if we start to think, well, maybe that person's done that thing for X, Y, or Z, we actually lower our um, intolerance that we feel at us. And I, it's something I often get my clients to do, to try and, uh, try and spend more time feeling curious about other people, more interested in how they're feeling. Not because I want them to be great empaths or to people, but actually subconsciously they become kind of to themselves. Mm. I think it's a really interesting concept and I'm trying to think how I could 
could, not should, implement that. But it's all one of the same for me. Um, but, but I don't think I'm unkind to people, but I view, for example, my husband and my children almost as an extension of me. So I have a tendency to be harder on them than I would to, you know, a friend or, but I do have a tendency to be relatively black and white generally. Um, so I think that's definitely something I, I, I might like to think a little bit more about, but I need an external way to do that that's not driven by that particular point. And I think that's where we need to go forward. We need to find you more people that can challenge you in different ways to begin looking at those things, because I think that the first step on this journey, the first step of any learning is about admitting what you don't know already. And that, I think that's what's quite exciting. The other thing is as well, I often find when I meet people is that that blip you've experienced this month is actually part of getting better and weller and stronger because you've allowed yourself to have it. And a lot of the time, we won't even allow ourselves to admit we feel that rubbish. So admitting you feel rubbish is one of the first steps in going forward and identifying what you need to do next. Mm. So a win. I'm taking this last month as a win. <laughs> okay, so what I have learned from our conversation is it is a good thing to have had a tough month and to have allowed it and to have reduced my daily task list as a result of. It is a positive. Well done, me. Uh, it is a positive that I have removed this template over, I must run 20, 100 miles every week and do all of these other running things. It's a positive, and it is a positive thing that I have decided that it's okay to have a glass of wine with my friends from having a barbecue or whatever. So all of the things that I have subconsciously been going, oh, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be blah, blah, blah. Actually, they're a positive. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is to be keep seeking for those moments in life where you're out of control, where the control surrendered, whether it be the smallest of things of letting somebody else drive, but also the bigger things about being disconnected for a few hours of not, not having the phone switched on, not knowing where everything is and what's going to happen, letting some of that control drop actually over time can really quite renewing and quite refreshing right, that that i really like that seek out places to be out of control i i really like that Stuart, and I, I i i really like that and i shall report back in via the podcast uh about how that's going so in terms of I don't know, maybe steering people about what they can expect from the podcast over the next the next uh, few months. Uh, we've had some quite fun ideas, which is based on exactly what we've been talking about today. Do you want to tell everybody what they can expect and what you're going to do and what I'm going to do and yes, hopefully what, how it might help them? What I'd like to do over the next 12 months is introduce Sarah to some people that can help her on this journey of self-discovery, I think we'll call it people that might challenge some of her views a little bit. And then what I'd like to do is, is spend some time back with Sarah, reporting in how she found meeting those people, the challenge that it presented her with, was she comfortable with being challenged in that way, and what she's learned and what the takeaways are 
Because I think the biggest thing, and Sarah and I have talked about this a lot, haven't we, is longevity. It's really easy to make changes for a week or two weeks. Anyone who's got children know that they can keep the bedroom tidy for two days, but have a look through the door in a week's time. It's really important that we can begin our journey looking at tools that hang around, things that we can take away forever. And even if that means over the next 12 months, we take 12 individual things from 12 different people, I think that's a really exciting process. I do too. I do too. And I would really love some interaction. If you are listening to this podcast, please email me with your thoughts or questions or ideas or have you tried this? Have you read this book? Have you spoken to this person? Please send them through because um, because I am open, all open to learn anything I can uh, and would appreciate the interaction. Brilliant. So thank you. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Your reviews, shares and followership is incredibly valuable to us. If you'd like to know more about our work through Coffee Carbon Connection and how we can support you, please email us at hello at coffeecarmconnection.org or follow us on social media. Thank you.